The Trumpet Daily Programme begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of royal peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Programme begins right now. Where do you think you are in this? Uh, well, I, I feel 100% certain I'm going to win. The question is, how big will that win be? So, so guess who those voters are? There are voters. And we're only down by a few thousand votes right now. When those votes come in, I think we're going to see a lot of liberal minds kind of blowing up. Seems like a pretty big deal, a pretty big story. There's Carrie Lake on uh, Tucker Carlson last night saying that once they, they finally count, I think there's 600,000 votes still outstanding. Yesterday it was something like 63% had been, had been counted. Today, this morning, it's at 70%. Why is it taking so long? You wonder. There's, there's evidently there's not even a, a path. Abe Hamadate, he's the new... Uh, AG in Arizona, Trump supporter. It, it could be it could be Carrie Lake, Hamaday, uh, Fincham as the Secretary of State, and Blake Masters even has a shot. That's a clean sweep. That's a red wave in Arizona. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining our growing audience. You can get to the live video stream of this show through our website, thetrumpet.com. Just go to thetrumpet.com forward slash live and it takes you to the live stream page also the uh, the programs are posted there after the fact if you care to listen on demand so they're trying to drag this out and no doubt cheat at the same time N nobody's paying attention to nevada by the way and you can be sure you can be sure they're hunting for ballots in clark county all of these editorials, even from conservative publications, going on and on about how we need to abandon Trump, you would think they'd send some of their reporters to Clark County or to Maricopa County in Arizona and say, what is going on? Do you think the, the establishment media, do you think the establishment, period, Mitch McConnell and all his friends, do you think they really want to hear Carrie Lake give a victory speech this week? At the very least, they're just trying to put it off for as long as they can so that they can continue with this narrative that Trump is the problem. Trump is the reason Kerry Lake's going to win in Arizona, of all places. Think about Arizona and how central that was to the steal in 2020. And Fox News. You look at the way Fox News is even abandoning Trump. He's right. He's right. He's pointing it out on Truth Social this morning. If, if there would just be a network to rise up to compete against Fox News, maybe Newsmax or OAN or one of them will take the ball and run with it. Who knows? But if, the, if they would just compete with these weak, rhino, Republican-running organizations, they'd win the support of, of a majority of Americans. So many false narratives. New York Times. Counting all the votes in Nevada could take days, election officials say. And this is normal. The New York Times isn't bothered by this. On the one hand, Fetterman, hey, there's still 3% of the vote to be counted in Pennsylvania. 
Should we really call it for Fetterman? I thought Pennsylvania told us this would take days. So he gets the lead, and, and Oz, of course, and he's an establishment candidate, really. That's, if there's one mistake that Donald Trump made in the lead up to these elections, I mean, his record speaks for itself. He's pointing that out on, on Truth Social as well. Something like 200 of his candidates came away victorious, and, and, and what, 19 lost? So the biggest name, the biggest loser is Dr. Oz. And he wasn't even, there were better conservative candidates in the primary. So they lose Pennsylvania, and that's the only story. That's the, Morning Joe's still going on about this. People, people, people in the legacy media are actually talking about Fetterman running for president. Where is that, that clip? Play that clip. It's later in my notes. John Fetterman kind of oozed authenticity. He ran an amazing race in terms of where he outperformed Joe Biden uh, two years ago, almost everywhere. Fetterman as a nominee at some point for president. Um, I know there's some variables, obviously. <laughs> but just a few. Just a few. <laughs> but I just, you know, it, it, what he did in the, in the super red, deep red parts of Pennsylvania and the way that he ran ahead of Biden, as you were saying, ran ahead of Trump. I mean, it just makes, it makes you wonder about his future. It makes you wonder about their mental stability. What a clown world we're living in. Fetterman for president? John Fetterman for president? Wearing the hoodie and the, the athletic shorts for his press conferences? What an embarrassment. And meanwhile, meanwhile, you've got some really compelling stories. In Arizona. In Nevada. And no one... Just like with the southern border, no one's there, no reporters are there to say, is this normal? Should this really be happening? You, you, go, you can only get through 20-some thousand votes over the course of 18 hours or whatever it is? Listen to Tucker last night talking about how long it takes to count ballots in Arizona, clip nine. Officials in Arizona told CNBC today that they are, quote, prepared to work through Thanksgiving and possibly Christmas as well. That means results by New Year's in a race that was held in early November. That seems late. How late is it? Well, by comparison, the results of the 1862 midterm elections, which were tabulated by candlelight without machines or even electricity in the middle of a raging civil war, were clear before the end of the week. That was the entire country. Arizona is a single state, which, by the way, is a fraction of the size of Florida, which, as you may have noticed, counted its votes in less than a day. So did Brazil, an entire country. That seems embarrassing. It is embarrassing, but it's by design. See, if Republicans that they hate are way ahead, then just stretch it out. At the very least, take away from their celebration. At worst, steal it. Try to steal it. They're getting quite good at harvesting ballots. Clark County just found a, a stash of, of ballots, Dropbox ballots this morning. Ah, uh, it could take till Saturday now. Maybe, maybe Monday. Tomorrow's Veterans Day, so we, we're going to have to get some rest. It's a holiday, after all. This is outrageous. And where, where is conservative media? They, remember what they told you two years ago? All right, there may have been some shenanigans. There may have been some nefarious activity. But we've got to move on. So we moved on. And two years later, where are we? In the exact same position. And despite all of this, it, it still may be a red tidal wave in Arizona. 
perhaps Nevada too. That's remarkable. When you consider what Donald Trump and his faithful supporters are going up against, it really and truly is remarkable the staying power that that man has. He is all alone, except for his supporters. He has no support in the media, not even at Fox News. I'll get to some of those headlines in just a moment. And so put it off. Act like nothing's happening in Arizona. She can't come out with a victory speech because it's not official yet. Same with Nevada. The, governor, the, the Republican running for governor, he's got a comfortable lead. So does Laxalt. But they are looking for more ballots. Just find the ballots. You would think the, the, the national media would have its spotlight on everything going on in Clark County, given what happened two years ago. But instead, it's Trump is finished, and then here comes Joe Obama taking their victory lap. Here's Joe Biden from yesterday, clip three. Well, we had an election yesterday. And uh, it was a good day, I think, for democracy. And I think it was a good day for America. <clears throat> Excuse me, I have a little horse. Our democracy has been tested in recent years, but uh, with their votes, uh, the American people have spoken and proven once again that democracy is who we are. Now, it's nice to have him on record saying that after the fact, because remember, leading up to the midterms, if they lose control, if they lose control of Congress, that's the end of democracy. So you listen to these people, and it's if they, they won. They won the midterms. I think the projection is that the Republicans are going to have something like 223 or 224 seats in the House, a, a majority. They're going to control the House. Newt Gingrich said this morning that when he led the, the famous Republican revolution against Bill Clinton back in 1994, they only had 230 seats. So here are the Republicans, just five, what, six, maybe not even that five, six seats behind what Gingrich had in 1994, and they're walking around like they lost. Of course they could have obtained more seats. They would have gotten a lot more seats if it wasn't for the fact that in a lot of blue states, they harvest ballots. It's, all, it's like Sundance said at Conservative Treehouse. It's not about trying to reach the voter. It's about getting the ballots. 600 ballots had been submitted in Pennsylvania before Fetterman ever came out of the basement to debate Dr. Oz. It's all about the fix. It's all about the framing of it. It's all about the narrative. So those 600,000 people, assuming they're all real, they're watching this disastrous of a, de of a debate, this disastrous debate for Fetterman. They can't go back and change their vote. So no wonder Katie Hobbs, she also took the basement approach. Fetterman did. They, they're, they're all beginning to do that. And the talking heads, unbelievably, are saying, maybe that's the approach we should take. Just, just don't debate issues because, after all, we'll find the ballots. We'll, we'll, and if there's a little problem with them, we can cure the ballots. Nevada has, what, a couple of weeks to, quote, unquote, cure ballots? There's a lot of radical leftists on the phone right now. Hey, we got to get you to come down, correct your signature, uh, the date, whatever it is you did wrong, because uh, the ballot's not being accepted at the moment. We need more ballots. And so this goes on and on and on for days, weeks maybe. I mean, you listen to what Tucker said in that clip and, that, that, that clip and you think, is this a joke, really? Through Thanksgiving and Christmas? 
We'll see, like I said yesterday, we'll see how this picture looks in a few weeks. Now, again, they could pull off more steals and, and still hold on to control of the Senate. But if, if the counting was done legitimately, the, the, the Democrats would be in serious danger of losing the Senate as well. That seems like a pretty big deal. Well, as I say, at least, at least the fake president's on record now of saying, yeah, demo- this Tuesday was a good day for democracy. So I guess democracy didn't die. Barack Obama, for his part, he tweeted, in this election, millions of people cast their ballots for an America that is more fair, more just, more equal, and more free. Suddenly, everything worked perfectly, I guess. We're not there yet, but this keeps us moving forward. Our democracy is resilient. What a different message from these people the day after they didn't get crushed. That maybe that's the campaign slogan for two years from now. We didn't get crushed two years ago. Look at all of the anomalies. New York, for example. The fact that, the fact that Lee Zeldin, a virtual unknown, he comes out of nowhere and he loses by 5%. Oh, by the way, I don't think New York is completely finished with the counting. Why concede? Every vote has to count, right? You hear that from their opponents all the time. They'll delay, they'll push it back, they'll do anything they can to find new ballots, additional ballots. You can see the way that Republicans are going to have to go, particularly in those states. It's going it, to it, it this really is the end of free and fair elections. 2020 was the end of that. So many of those so many of those states that changed the rules during COVID, that was the pretext They changed the rules, and two years later, the ones that tightened it back up, Florida, Georgia, a red wave, and the ones that left it in place, all the COVID policies, there's no red candidates that are going to win in that environment ever, ever. So is this the kind of system that you want to put your faith in? As I said yesterday, it makes you, really, it makes you appreciate God's government and the fact that it's not going to be put to a vote. Thank God for that. Thank God for his kingdom. Thank God for his government. Thank God for Jesus Christ, his son, the the king of kings and lord of lords, returning to this earth to put a stop to this nonsense. 300 and some odd million dollars spent in that election, just one senatorial election in Pennsylvania. And what does it produce? John Fetterman, who might be the next candidate for president. If the talking heads have their way. I know there's a few variables. You think? New York had a 10 to 15 point swing for Zeldin. He lost. Okay, he lost. He lost by five points. But you know, New York is accustomed to winning every race practically by 20 points. So you look at the, just the differential between this year and, and uh, four years ago. It looks pretty red wavy. And then you, you break it down into some of the House seats. Some stunning developments in, uh, in New York State with respect to the House. Listen to this clip, clip seven. 
Not since 1982. 1982 has a Republican gone to Washington representing the people who live in Nassau County's North Shore. And not since 1996 has a Republican gone to Washington in this district on the South Shore. So a sitting House campaign committee chair has not lost re-election since 1992. She's talking about Maloney there at the end. Maloney's responsible for helping, helping Democrats win seats. And he lost his seat. The New Yorker lost his seat. Pretty amazing development there. That's a pretty big storyline. This is Sean Davis at The Federalist. This race is a perfect microcosm of what a bizarre, befuddling election this was. Florida goes deep red. J.D. Vance wins in a walk in Ohio. Democrats outperform in the House. And voters in New York in a Biden plus five district oust the top Democrat campaign chief from Congress. I don't think the cheating machines or mechanisms are in play or I don't think they're entrenched in New York because they've never needed it. And so here comes some pretty stunning results from New York State, a state that's lost a lot of its Republican voters because they're fleeing the state. And they're moving to places like Florida. Florida's now ruby red. As is Ohio. Give New York another few years and they'll have the ballot harvesting. They'll have that, that strategy in place. And then we won't see any more Republicans winning there. This is the, the course that we're on. Now, you look at the, the blue states. Kemp, he, you know, Kemp, who hated Trump. And, and turned a blind eye to all the cheating in 2020, nevertheless did work with the Georgia congressional uh, legislature to tighten up election security. And he was asked, in fact, by one reporter who said, well, why are you, why are you upholding these new rules or laws, which are really just old rules or laws before COVID, if uh, everything in 2020 was perfect? And he couldn't answer that. They tightened up election security in Georgia and in Florida, and we got the results just like that. Same night, same night. The states that the Democrats control, that would be Pennsylvania, that would be Michigan, that would be Wisconsin. It's the same old pandemic voting. It would be impossible to win if you're a conservative in any of those states where the dark blue leaders have control. This is from uh, Sundance, conservative treehouse. He says, as the political discussion centers on 2022 wins and losses from the midterm election, one thing that stands out in similarity of the 2020 general election is the difference between ballots and votes. It appears in some states this is the new normal, where votes are the focus, the Biden administration suffered losses, where ballots are the focus, the Biden administration won. Perhaps the two states most reflective of ballots being more important than votes are Michigan and Pennsylvania. Despite negative polling and public opinion toward two specific candidates in those states, Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer and Pennsylvania Senate candidate John Fetterman achieved victories. It says, Whitmer and Fetterman were not campaigning for votes. That is old school. Instead, the machinery behind both candidates focused on the modern path. The Democrat machines in both states focused on ballot collection and ignored the irrelevant votes as cast. It says since the advent of ballot-centric ballot 
focus through mail-in and collection drop-off processes. Votes have become increasingly less valuable and amid the organizers who wish to control election outcomes. It says, as a direct and specific result, ballot collection has become the key to Democrat Party success. Finally, he writes, the effort to attain votes for candidates is less important than the strategy of collecting ballots. So that's why they hide out in the basement. Joe Biden became the first high-profile political candidate to stay away from his opponent, to stay away from the debates. He came out only when he had to, and it was near the end. The machines, though, were already in place to pull off the steel. Victor Davis Hanson makes a similar point. He says, the Democrats with overwhelming media and money advantages have mastered these arts of massive and unprecedented early mail-in and absentee voting. Old-fashioned Republicans count on riling up their <coughs> voters to show up on Election Day. But it is far easier to finesse and control the mail-in ballots than to get out the vote. It says, the country is more divided in more ways than ever. America's interior just gets redder and the bicoastal corridors bluer. Pretty good analysis. A pretty good analysis. Now, these are all significant storylines. And as I say, you would think some of these conservative outlets would be sending all kinds of resources looking into these stories, the new normal for ballot harvesting in, in, in many states where Democrats have control. Or the reason there weren't problems in Florida or Georgia, because there, there actually were rules that were abided by this time around. When we come back, we'll focus in on, on what the legacy media is concerned about only this week. And that's, that's why they want to put off Arizona and Nevada for as long as possible, because we've got to run with this narrative for a few more days at least. That Trump, everything was a disaster on Tuesday, and Donald Trump is the reason, and he's finished. He's not coming back. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is The Trumpet Daily. If you'd like to email the show, you can send us some feedback. TD at thetrumpet.com. We'll be right back. The Trumpet Daily. Every particle of human suffering, unhappiness, misery, and death has come solely from the transgression of God's immutable law. Obedience to God's law liberates us from all unhappiness, pain, and suffering. It frees us from captivity, from spiritual slavery. Obeying God's commandments guarantees a life overflowing with joyful abundance. For much more on this subject, request a free copy of the Ten Commandments. When you make your request, don't forget to enroll in the Armstrong College Bible Correspondence Course. This 36-lesson course is a distance learning program that will help you to get to know your Bible. Each month, you will receive a lesson that guides you in discovering the answers to life's most important questions, all from your own Bible. Your enrollment has already been paid for. Enroll today. Email your request to td at kpcg.fm or visit thetrumpet.com. The Trumpet Daily. Rumpty Dumpty. Mm -mm. You got to go back to the early summer of 2015 
to see this. Now, the the, the uh, Wall Street Journal uh, uh, opinion page has been tough on Trump consistently. Uh, but the Post now, brutal. The Daily News also. Uh, and uh, mm -hmm. he's just not looking well there. I, I don't know. They may That's just, some photo editing. That might be yeah. some photo editing. But Trump's big fail also. He is going to say daily that. News. He is going oh. to go insane. He's going to go insane. He's going to blame his wife again. Mm. By the way, How about pro, that? pro tip. Pro tip to guys. Oh. Don't. Things are going bad. Oh. Don't blame your wife. But anyway, let's get back to the New York Post. This is pretty big. That's that's their one takeaway. And, and to their shame, most of the talking heads coming from the conservative side, they're just too weak and cowardly to stand up to it. This is from my father's writings, 2016. Satan is a master at distracting people from what is important. So Rupert Murdoch abandons Trump, finally and forever, completely, you could say. He's really, some would say he's already done it. Trump certainly says that. He did it back in 2016. My father says in the new throne of, uh, the new throne in God's loyal remnant, this is, a, this is a 2020 article, Satan is always plotting to distract us. So when, like I said yesterday, when everyone, everyone and their dog comes along and says, Trump is finished, and by the way, how many times have we heard that over the last six years? Trump is finished? Really? For the 347th time, the narrative is very similar to what we've heard over and over again. He's finished. And so out they come. They're taking the victory laps. The Uniparty, they're all in. Listen to the fake president from yesterday, clip four. Tied to your predecessor, who is about to launch another campaign. So how do you reassure them if that is the reason for their questioning that the former president will not return, or that his political movement, which is still very strong, uh, will not oh, yeah. once again take power in the United <laughs> States? Well, um, we just have to demonstrate that he will not take power. They, they laugh at the successful billionaire businessman, and then they talk very seriously about Fetterman for president. Yeah, we're, we're supposed to, speaking of someone that's, that's struggling mentally, him, him too. That's, they're the serious-minded leaders. They're the ones leading the country to peace and prosperity. But Donald Trump, he wasn't, his name wasn't even on the ballot. How, how long are they going to go with this narrative? He's finished. There's no way. We're going to use the Constitution to prevent him from ever, from ever be, being in office again. So says the fake president who stole, and like I say, shame on the conservative media, the Wall Street Journal. Trump is the Republican Party's biggest loser. Unbelievable. He's the biggest loser. What about Arizona? What about what's going on in Arizona right now? Trump is the reason that Kerry Lake is going to win, assuming there's no widespread cheating, assuming it's just a delay to take away from the enthusiasm that would surely be there from the red side if there was some honesty, if there was some election integrity. I am 100% going to win, she said last night. And, and when I do, heads are going to explode. They're still talking on MSNBC as if Kerry Lake's lost. They won't even take their own advice. We're going to wait a few days. We're going we're to have to wait a few days before we know for sure. 
Mike Pence had a column at the Wall Street Journal today on his last days with Trump in the administration. And basically, he's positioning himself as the, the alternative. Trump's gone. Trump's finished. So, uh, hey, here I am, Mike Pence. The New York Post. Here's how Donald Trump sabotaged the Republican midterms. So there goes the Post. There goes Mike Pence. Well, they lost, they lost Mike Pence a long time ago, the Trump people. Well, what does the prophecy say? 2 Kings 14, there's no helper. God has to do it. That's in America under attack. Call and, and request your free copy, 1-866-930-3024. The Federalist has a pretty good piece showing how the media is actively working at building a trap to attack Donald Trump. Surprise, surprise. Uh, yet another, yet another attempt to take him down, to destroy Donald Trump. And he keeps coming back. And they keep turning out for his rallies. And his candidates keep winning. Many of them. A few exceptions. But who has a better record? Who has a better record than Donald Trump as far as endorsements go? says, while we wait for Arizona, Nevada, and Georgia to count their votes with the urgency of a DMV staffer on break, maybe Republicans should not accept the invitation from Democrats and the media to spend the next two years moaning about whether it's time to move on from Donald Trump. That maybe Trump's the reason. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> Look at the gains. If you, come, if you come through this with control of the House and the Senate, that doesn't end democracy. That effectively ends the Biden regime. It says it's true that as of Wednesday afternoon, the election was not the decisive win for Republicans that, it, that was anticipated. Everyone still thinks the GOP will control the House come next year, and the Florida results show the, that Republicans have turned that crucial state ruby red. On the other hand, uh, a breathing cadaver defeated the Republican in Pennsylvania's Senate race, and the victory margins have been otherwise slim. But that the election should be some form of reckoning for Republicans to either throw Trump overboard or cuff themselves to his ankles and swallow the key is a very, very stupid way of thinking about the future. Well, that's spot on. A lot of stupidity. A lot of stupidity. It says it's a false dilemma designed to frustrate, to frustrate Republicans into believing that the party has no good options to move forward. Either declare now that Trump is dead weight or pledge undying loyalty to the former president. The talking points that are there. I mean, another, another angle to this story, too, is the lack of support that Mitch McConnell, that uh, Kevin McCarthy and Rona McDaniel provided for some of Trump's best candidates. They were all in on a great rhino in, in Colorado. They were pumping money into Colorado. I think his name's O'Day. He got crushed. M McConnell couldn't praise him more highly. And he was a never-Trumper. He had said, if I win, I'm not going to get behind Trump coming back in two, 2024. This is the Republican. McConnell, they were all in with this guy. And with others, well, Blake Masters, we just don't have, uh, we, we don't have enough money to really help him or to help some of these other MAGA candidates. They didn't want them. And the dirty little secret is they really don't want 
they don't want Blake Masters in the Senate. They would, Mitch McConnell would prefer to be a minority leader than to have too many MAGA Republicans in the Senate, even if it's a majority of Republicans. It's all politics. It's all politics for these people. The Uniparty. Here's from Vox. It says, we think we can win this race. McConnell reportedly told donors in July, calling O'Day the perfect candidate. Trump would probably say someone like Carrie Lake is the perfect candidate. Uh, McConnell said O'Day, the guy in Colorado. He's perfect. He's perfect. He got crushed, even with McConnell's support. It says here, O'Day was a first-time candidate. Uh, it says that former, uh, he's not a candidate in the mold of a typical MAGA Republican in that he says President Joe Biden fairly won the 2020 election and that he hopes Trump doesn't run in 2024. And McConnell said that guy was perfect. He's just perfect for our party. No helper. The Washington Post, by the way, had a pretty interesting story. This is from back in May. Trump endorsements undermined. This is a, a six-month-old story, but the Post was on it then. You, think there, you would think there'd be a few more stories on this now. Instead, it's all Trump. Trump's finished. Trump's the one that caused this, this debacle on Tuesday. I mean, they're talking about not getting crushed as if it's a tremendous victory. It says, before a room full of Republican donors Monday, Houseman, this is again back in May, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy praised Donald Trump as the secret weapon in the GOP's quest to retake Congress, while Trump returned the favor by saying McCarthy had been with him from the beginning, according to two people in attendance at the event in Dallas. But their united front disguised far more complicated relationships that have developed between the former president and elected Republican leaders like McCarthy, a fact that is now playing out in a series of primary proxy battles across the country. They were fighting the two sides, MAGA and establishment, leading up to the primaries. And most of Trump's, most of the ones Trump supported made it through the primaries. And then McConnell and McCarthy and them were left with, uh, they were left with a conundrum. Well, now they're MAGA, they're MAGA Republicans, but do we really want to throw our wholehearted support behind them? says here, in several cases, some of Trump's own cabinet members and advisors, along with, along, along with other longtime allies in the Republican Party, are working or stumping for candidates running against Trump-endorsed candidates. And the efforts to undermine Trump's chosen candidates have been even more extensive behind the scenes. There was a lot of that going on in the lead-up to midterms. And then the wave, it's not as big as everyone predicted. And as if on cue, Mike Pence has the editorial ready. I mean, he's ready to put it out there. It appears Thursday, the midterms Tuesday. Here comes Mike Pence with his uh, op-ed. Hey, just so that you know, I'm a pretty good alternative to the bad orange man. Talk about an insurrection. This is the New York Times. Did Ron DeSantis just become the 2024 Republican frontrunner? A red wave swept Florida, he writes, but elsewhere it barely lapped to shore. Endangered House Democrats are surviving all over. The battle for the Senate may be tilting toward the Democrats, and at best Republicans have won themselves a return to a stalemate. So in other words, the Republicans got crushed. That's the narrative. They, everyone got crushed except Ron DeSantis. So 
he's the he's the new leading Republican. No helper. There's a few. There's a few commentators that have stood against this this craziness, this nonsense, this weakness. Raheem Kassam getting texts from MAGA coattail riders who are now flipping on Trump. Same people who backed Ted Cruz in 2016. They don't, they don't get it. This poor performance reveals McCarthy, McConnell, and McDaniel need ousting. McCarthy, McConnell, and McDaniel, they're the ones running the Republican Party. So if Republicans lose or if they don't make as many gains as everyone predicted, it's Trump's fault? He's not on the ballot. Trump didn't run these campaigns. They did, says Kassam. Sebastian Gorka, I find it amusing. I find it amusing how people seem to forget why DeSantis had been so successful. He modeled himself on President Trump, not Mitt Romney. That's true. Darren Beatty, usual suspects will be desperate to advance narrative that Trump has done for some, it will be self-serving. For most, it's just the NAFE's natural attraction to pseudo-sophistication. Well, everyone's doing it, so just go along. Just, go, just politely go along. Don't speak out against it. Don't send anyone to actually look into what's happening in Clark County. Just ignore Carrie Lake. Hopefully, she'll lose and she'll go away. Just pretend. Just pretend like everyone else. Trump-de-dumpty. Ha-ha-ha. He's finished. That was, your, that was your best clue, right? Coming right out of the bat, Thursday, Tuesday night and Wednesday morning. When you woke up to those headlines, to that narrative, Trump's finished. You know they're covering up bigger stories. You know they're, they're concealing the truth. You know they're hiding facts. They... The legacy media, they know what Carrie Lake's campaign knows about the remaining votes. They know what it, what it could mean. It could mean red from top to bottom. They know this. So why won't they talk about it? Well, because Trump's finished and everything he touched in the lead up to this election, I mean, it just, it just turned to rot. We got to get rid of him. He's a cancer. Even the, even the guy that puts out some of the video clips that we get each morning. He tweets out yesterday that Trump's like a cancer and we've got to cut him out of the Republican Party. So quick. So quick to embrace Joe Scarborough's narrative. Or the New York Times. This is from American Thinker. As I said, there's a few exceptions. There are videos, the, the headline here from uh, this guy, J.B. Shirk. The establishment is trying to divide and conquer MAGA. It says, there are videos making the rounds showing President Trump standing on stage in Miami's pouring rain while imploring Americans to get out the vote. That was two days before the midterm election, by the way. And as it happens, Miami-Dade swung way over to the ruby red side. Miami! The city that, that Trump campaigned in, the last five minutes of the speech, pouring down rain, and he just kept right on going. Do you think you're going to see that from Joe Biden, from John Fetterman? The successful billionaire businessman, they want, to, they want to destroy him. The Uniparty wants him gone forever. So that's the storyline. That's the narrative yet again coming out of midterms. 
says, there's videos making the rounds showing President Trump standing on stage in Miami's pouring rain while imploring Americans to get out the vote. The metaphor is striking. There's Trump battling the elements, lively as ever, refusing to give up, insisting on finishing what he started. Citizen Free Press appropriately notes that President Trump is truly a force of nature. It says, I know that the months ahead will make for some spirited political debate among friends, but I encourage you to cement in your minds this quintessential image of Trump, unbroken and unbowed. Whatever else can be said about the man, and there is plenty, he remains the only leader in our times, unafraid to stand alone. He's right. Look at all of these people this week who are afraid to stand with Donald Trump, who are afraid to voice any kind of support toward Donald. And in truth, there's even MAGA candidates that won on Tuesday who are distancing themselves from Trump, the one that helped him win. So many people are just afraid. He's not one of them. He's not afraid to stand alone. When other self-proclaimed allies run the other way or look for somewhere safe, to weather the approaching storm. Trump stands inside the tempest, demanding that it give up and surrender. He's standing inside the tempest, and he's demanding the tempest give up. He won't quit. He won't surrender. It says that's something that will forever separate him from those who pretend to be him. There are some pretenders. It's become normal to deconstruct Trump's public appeal to something as basic as he fights. Yet it is not just that Trump fights, it's what he fights that has attracted, or rather why he fights, that has attracted such a diverse voting coalition unlike any other political movement today. Think about this. Think about the support, the enthusiastic and faithful support that this man receives. The Uniparty hates it. It makes them insanely jealous on the one hand, and they're also scared that they're going to lose their power. So they have to destroy him. He's finished, so say the talking heads. It's why he fights that has attracted such a diverse voting coalition unlike any other political movement today. It says everything else that the establishment class has fraudulently peddled against Trump that he's imperious, mercurial, uncouth, unworthy to hold office, a Russian spy, a warmonger, an insurrectionist, a denier, a criminal, is nothing but an endless barrage of psychological warfare directed against MAGA voters and constructed of propaganda and lies. This is exactly what we're seeing this week. Okay, the wave wasn't as big as some predicted. Getting control of the House, possibly the Senate, that's huge. That, as I say, that effectively ends the Biden regime, as Steve Bannon said a couple weeks back. Look at, look at what they've tried to stick on him, and none of it sticks. In nothing but an endless barrage, let me just repeat it, an endless barrage of psychological warfare directed, directed against MAGA voters and constructed of propaganda and lies. And what are those lies? says here he's imperious, mercurial, uncouth, unworthy to hold office, a Russian spy, a Russian spy, uh, a warmonger, an insurrectionist, a denier, a criminal. We've heard all of this. 
And now he's like a cancer. Now he's the reason that, that the Republicans, just judging by the tone, you would think the Republicans just absolutely got crushed on Tuesday. It says here, at heart, Trump's only crime is that he remains for America and against the totalitarian globalist system designed to subdue her once and for all. He's pro-American, and there's so many people among the ruling class that hate America and its institutions. I mean, the communist infiltration, it's, it's stretched its tentacles all across Washington, D.C. and beyond. Donald Trump was right when he called it a swamp. The deep state is certainly deep. Yesterday we talked about that prophecy in 2 Kings 14. I mean, when you look at the way elections operate now, particularly in the deep, dark blue states, there's never going to be another free and fair election nationally. I mean, there might be in Florida and Ohio, and if Carrie Lake cleans it up in Arizona, but there's never going to be a free and fair election like there used to be in America. I mean, Democrats have always cheated. Look back at 1960 history. But on a, on a widespread scale, and, and to actually go into campaigns and not, to not even care about debating the issues or trying to appeal to voters, but to just have a system in place and <coughs> get the money and the support from Zuckerberg and, and Soros and just harvest the ballots. In the end, it's just how many ballots get counted, whether they're real or fake or coming from people that wouldn't have voted anyway if you hadn't have bribed them somehow or another. My father wrote, I gave you this yesterday. Here, again, this is America under attack, one 930 3024 He says, Mr. Trump did not have to war <laughs> to save Israel during his first term, though he did have to fight to expose all the fraudulent investigations, impeachments, and other treasonous actions. There are different ways war could apply. He's talking about 2 Kings 14, verse 28. But the indication is that regaining office may take considerable fighting. Donald Trump will have to fight for it. I'm just giving you God's perspective, God's view, the sure word of Bible prophecy. He says 2 Kings 14 strongly indicates that Mr. Trump recovers his presidency by some kind of warring. This strongly indicates more than just voting. See, we're not going to put our out. I mean, we'll talk about voting. We'll talk about cheating. We'll expose the devil's tactics. But we're certainly not putting our faith in voting. We're certainly not true Christians. Are not real, we're not hanging by a thread, hoping, hoping that the voting system works. We have a lot to say about politics. We have a lot to say about what's happening in the United States. We have a lot to say about it because God says there's a sickness there, a sickness from head to toe. And you see it, it runs deep on both sides. Both sides. They're sick. They're sick. My father says there's going to be some kind of war to recover something. If God says President Trump is going to recover something, then it will be recovered. It will be recovered. Let's just conclude with a few scriptures. Again, to try to step back and to appreciate God's perspective on all of these events. It could 
be really easy to be so infuriated you can't really function or to be discouraged, depressed. God's not discouraged or depressed. I mean, he certainly is upset because of our sins. He's trying to get our attention because he loves us. He loves us. I gave you the scripture earlier in the week, Romans 13, where it says the powers that be are ordained of God. I think I have the actual verse. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. So God does take a a hands-off policy or approach to some degree because he's letting us run our course. 6,000 years of being cut off from the tree of life. But at the same time, God does carry on with his work. He does intervene where necessary to further his purposes, his plans, to fulfill his prophecies. And so in that way, he's very involved. His purpose stands. You can be sure. You can rely on the sure word of Bible prophecy. Isaiah 46 And verse 9, this is the Revised Standard Version, it says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. I mean, if God says there's going to be a war to recover, If we don't know all the details as to how that happens, just take heart in the fact that it will happen. It will happen. Psalm 33, verse 8, it says, Let all the earth fear the eternal. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded and it stood forth. The Lord, the Lord brings the counsel of the nations to naught. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the eternal stands forever. The thoughts of his heart through, all, through to all generations. God's counsel. He brings the counsel of the nations to naught. He, I've given you those scriptures that talk about, I think it's in 1 Corinthians 3, where the wise get trapped in their own their own wicked devices, their own wicked plans and purposes. I kind of butchered that, I think, but, but, but you get the idea. I've quoted from that verse uh, previously. How, how much longer before God completely exposes the false narrative that we see all around us this week? It seems like it's, I mean, the window closes even quicker these days than it did a year or two ago. You think, think the Paul Pelosi, that's a story, by the way, that you're never going to hear about again. It was pure and simple, a pre-election tactic to try to tell you how dangerous the movement was. How dangerous it was. And this, this movement needs to be destroyed. And if this movement wins, then it's the end of democracy. Then on a dime, the wave isn't as big as, hey, we got a chance here. We can say that Trump's the reason. It's, we actually want, this is a tremendous victory for our side. And we can blame the defeat on Donald John Trump. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Paul says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord 
and in the power of his might. Be strong in the Lord. Be, be filled with his power. Put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. There is a devil. There is a demon army. And they are confined to this earth. And they are active in the affairs of this nation, the United States, Britain in particular, uh, little Judah in the Middle East, in the whole world, of course. But they're really working to bring down the superpower as fast as is possible to destroy even the name of Israel. Verse 12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I mean, this is what we're warring against in the spiritual sense. And there's a lot of warring going on in the spirit realm. You see it. You see it in the way world events are unfolding. The rage is building. Daniel 2, though, verse 20, Daniel's brought in to answer or to reveal the meaning of this, this dream about this great image that Nebuchadnezzar had. And Daniel answered, and Daniel went to God, by the way. He prayed for God to give him understanding and wisdom. And here he was involved with world events and this Gentile kingdom, and he was going before world leaders, God's prophet. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. God removes kings if he needs to. He sets them up if he needs to. Praise God for his wisdom, for his might, for his power, for his perspective. Psalm 75, verse 7, it says, God is the judge. He puts down one, and he sits up another. See God behind all of these dramatic, earth-shaking events. See God's plan and purpose. See God's work as he carries it out through his church. There's lots of positive things to set our minds on, even in times of darkness, don't forget to request America Under Attack. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining us on today's show, and we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>